I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to Gaze on Film. This podcast is where we, a pair of gays, talk about what we're watching. I'm Ned. And I'm Declan. And in this episode, we're going to be talking about the documentary miniseries, George Michael, Outed. Outed. Yeah. Remember, there will be plenty of spoilers. Although, it's a documentary, so a lot of people know the story. And to be fair, there aren't all that many spoilers, actually. It's just interesting (laughs) to kind of watch it and see what the history is, isn't it? But but do take it as a warning. Yeah, take it as a warning, but... (laughs) It's interesting, but I'm all off skew because we've actually already recorded the rest of this episode because we've just been um, interviewing the director of the miniseries, Mike Ogden. Um, and I had loads of fun doing it. It was so. a really good interview. I can't yeah. wait for it, for you all to kind of listen to it. You know, we would recommend kind of watching the scene. It's two episodes, so it literally takes about... Not even two hours. I mean, they're like forty-five minutes four, each. So, yeah. yeah, you can. It, you probably would get the most from the interview if you've watched it first. I think I'm inclined to disagree. I oh, feel really? like you could listen oh, to you this could episode, do either way. have a really good time, and then spend the rest of your evening watching watching the documentary. It's on all four Channel Four. Yeah. What do they call it nowadays? I think it's just called Channel Four now, but I still call it Four OD. So do I. Um, but yes, <laughs> it's there. But it's it's a great two part documentary. It's basically all about how George Michael was outed and how he dealt with that outing. Which you know, there's that famous song which I can never remember the name of it. But there's like the the video is like him in a in a bathroom cruising. Yeah, kind it's of got thing. like golden urinals and things. Yeah, hasn't it? Very camp, very, very camp. camp. Um, and I'll be honest. You know, when we interview people, we never know kind of how candid they're going to get or how they're going to talk about personal experiences. But we do kind of, I kind of ask Mike a lot about the um, making of a documentary and how you like logistically how you do it. And then we kind of get into the nitty gritty of kind of the subject matter and his experiences as a gay guy in creating this documentary. Our experiences as gay guys growing up in the aftermath of all of this as well. We just had a really good conversation. So we'll kind of leave it there. So what all I'm gonna say now is that our interview with Mike will be coming up right after this break, but it's a good one, so stay tuned. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. 
So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. So we are joined by Mike who Mike Ogden, who is series director and um, documentary maker and is the director behind the wonderful Channel 4 documentary miniseries, George Michael outed. Welcome to the Gaze on Film podcast, Mike. How are you doing? I'm I'm great. Thanks very much for having me. I'm lying on my bed. <laughs> so <laughs> I've been working all day and I just thought I'm gonna lie down. Deserve a rest. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So I feel like a, a good place to start is not necessarily about the doc like the actual content of the documentary, but just kind of I was really interested in in the process of kind of working on documentaries in the sense that obviously you're doing all these interviews, you're pulling all the different clips and bits and just kind of if you can give us a bit of a behind the scenes of, of what that process is like. Um, well, it, um, where should we start? I mean, so, um, so well, I suppose if we look at... I suppose what you spend your time doing, your initial stages of trying to work out what actually your story is and what you what, because you know the, the channel or the broadcaster might come to you or the the uh, production company might come to you and say, "Hi, Mike, we want you to make a film or a documentary about George or whatever it might be," and you'll then try and you know I always spend my time trying to work out what I think that documentary really is and what I want it to say, and I sometimes don't necessarily yeah. know, or um, I'll have a I'll sort of start to do some research and work out what pathway through that is. And so, you know, I'll start sketching out what I think that's, what I think the story actually is. They might tell me what the story is, but I'll go away and go, yeah, actually, I think the story is really this. And so mm-hmm. you know, I, I start sort of from a plain sheet of paper and go, okay, I know this story is X um, and I'm going to go and work out what that really means. And I'll do start doing my research and then start thinking about who can, who are the people that can help us tell that story and start piecing that together and so that's how I that's how I start doing that and then with um and you know you'll start that maybe on your own or with a producer or with an assistant producer and you'll start putting that research together and then you'll start thinking about well what do we need to tell that story and is that archive and you'll bring in an archive producer and work with them to sort of start digging through various archives um wherever that is um um us uk whatever it might be and start pulling that together and start sort of you know watching other things that have been made about the subject or reading books and things like that so you'll sort of compile all of that information and then sort of hopefully find a path and you're never you're never quite sure and you'll sort of you go you find dead ends and you have you have to sort of find you find dead ends and have to sort of rewind and go back and then you know it's quite organic for me yeah I can imagine it is because I remember like thinking about this interview and just thinking of questions we can ask you and I thought it's really interesting to kind of as you say you don't you can go in with a story but you don't know what some of the people are going to say or is there going to be something else to investigate or dig a bit deeper so 
do you kind of collate as much footage and then kind of do you i guess you probably find part of your story during but does a lot of it drop out in kind of the post-production process as well yeah um, it depends really yeah i mean so i i think you know i'll go off and we'll get to a point where we'll go and start interviewing people and mm. um i've got an I what I'm what I'm slightly obsessed that I don't really want to be on a call. I, I'm this is a bit mad, I guess. But I, I maybe I don't know. I don't like to be on a call with somebody and do a research conversation and know exactly what mm. they're going to say because I always think I just want to know that they're going to be interesting and engaging and I'm going to be able mm. to sort of have a conversation with them and see where it goes. Obviously, I need to know that they're going to be able to do, tell you know lead me to X in a way. Um, or have a vital piece of information, but I don't. I don't want to know. I don't want to have a full research conversation with them in advance. I let other I, I, other people do that for me. I'm, you know, mm. researcher or producer. They'll have that conversation. They'll know that this person is going to be able to deliver the content we want, as it were. Um, but I won't. I'll basically go in there and um, explore that content with them to get to the sort of nugget that I'm looking for that I think I want and sometimes you don't know and sometimes you'll go in and it will completely change your view and you'll be like oh I didn't yeah. quite expect that I didn't quite understand that and that'll change your view in terms of where you where the story goes but also you know you're you're never in a silo you're working with other people and other people's views and it's a, for me it's a documentary making is a collaboration and you're collaborating with other brilliant clever people uh, who sort of will work together and will sort of find a path through it, and that's the producers, that's the exec producer, that's the edit, the editor you're working with. So, um, with George, I was wor- working with um, Charlie Harrell, you who's brilliant, and and um, and I would go out and shoot it with um, Caroline Miller, who's the series producer. We go out and shoot it, then it would go into the edit with him, and then he would generally watch content before i'd even get there because the way tv always works is that um there's never enough time and you're always overrunning and um you know you're still shooting whilst the edit's happening because there's you don't have the luxury of sort of you know doing it in a linear way you have to hodgepodge it all like that sort of thing so charlie will watch stuff or the editor will watch the the content you're getting and they might feedback but also they're they're discovering something else from it and they're milling over yeah. and finding something that they're interested in and um f- themes and um that they're discovering that will feed into how you make the film or what actually the film is and that can often turn it on its head i hope that's yeah the question I don't so how how big how big of a team works on a documentary like this well, how many I people mean, are involved it, it, i mean it depends so um for George, um, I mean, you've got your you've got you've got your production side, which is a production management and, and company side, and that's dealing with all the finances and you know company accountants and business side of it. So you've got your business side of it, which I intersect with in terms of how can I spend the money that you're giving they're giving me, and <laughs> what can I what can I spend that money on. Um, <laughs> Uh, and um and you know to tell the best story possible and then you've got this sort of um the uh, sort of 
creative side of it, what's the word? Um, you've got the sort of like the director and producer and, you know, exec producer and, you know, assistant producer and archive producers who then um, are working under direction to pull all the elements together. Um, and the production side facilitate yeah. that, you facilitate and work out how you can use your pots and money to the best way possible to make it. So it's a big collaboration with lots of people. And I can't remember the, how many people actually work on this in the end. It's, 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 it's sort of always quite a lot more than you think. Um, you'd have to look at yeah, the Yeah, I think it's like that before. Yeah, like, <laughs> you know, like when you watch the film credits and you think, God, how many people have worked on that yeah. that one film? You know, they roll for ages, don't they? So, yeah. you know, um, yeah. So moving on a little bit to kind of the the content of of the the mini series and mm. and kind of what it's actually about and you know how George Michael was was outed. Was there any kind of personal reasons for wanting to tell this story? Was there anything that you were making it and thought, oh, that that's actually quite effect. You know that that's quite that's affected me just hearing that story or was there anything that you uncovered that you thought was was shocking and, and new to you um i think um i always want to do well i think um when when, when i first got the phone call about george uh, about making this documentary i was i was really i was on a train um going to munich i think and um I'm, I'm sort of um and i got a phone call about it and i was like oh that's a really interesting idea because i mean i i remember george's arrest and um the um the outing and then his song as, as you know in it's 1998 i was um you know 1819 and so uh, and i still wasn't out actually um at that point um to very few people anyway and definitely not my parents not my family and um and so for, mm. for me, it, you know, I, it was a moment I remembered and I remember the song and the impact the song had on me. And I remember thinking that, you know, it was quite cool and extraordinary moment um, and felt very different. And it was, a, there's a, I think there's a vibe shift with that song at, at that moment in time. And that's how I remembered it. And so I was immediately sort of kind of interested in it um, as an idea. And, and you know, the, the whole point of the documentary is to look at the way you know it's also about a story about the press and about how we are and how who we were as people and about the about outing of gay people lgbtq plus people and that becomes an interesting story to pick up and re-examine because i think for me it's a there are issues of that you know that you you i'm getting to re-examine something of, of that time and something that's quite important um and and that's immediately why I want to do it, and I want to understand because I want to understand what was going on, why it happened, how it happened, but also what the bigger story is and what it's leading into, and that's queer history, and that for me is really interesting. I mean, the the last documentary series I made, which was that was to the BBC, and that was um, sort of the 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 era of George Michael and that story intersects because that was the, that was an examination of. The, mur- the victims of the murder of Dennis Nilsson from the 1970s and 80s, and um, yeah. and that was t- that was a similar history because it's about um, gay queer history and uh, and gay history and about how media and British behaviour and and societal behaviour towards gay people. So they're they're both they both intersect and they in, they interest me as a subject 
because it's a period of time I grew up in. I'm not old. Can you believe it? But, um, you know, but I, you know, I grew up in the no. 90s. And, uh, and, um, and so it's an area that interests me because I'm somebody who struggled with my sexuality. And so, uh, you know, I, I, so I find it fascinating to examine that and look at that. Also quite difficult because I'm looking at, you know, uh, uh, lots of horrible homophobia. I'm looking at the AIDS pandemic crisis. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it's, um, it's quite challenging to revisit that and examine that and explore it and try to understand it. But it's something that I, I found fascinating and um, was keen to be able to tell those stories because, you know, I am fortunate enough to, um, you know, have a bit of a voice, if you will, to be able to make these mm. documentaries and bring them to the screen. And, you know, and I think, you know, it, I, I'm grateful I've got that voice, but I feel that there's, I have a duty to do that as well. Oh, that's great. I yeah. mean, you know, if you can take your career and then not use that to tell stories that you want to and focus on that, that's, that's a, yeah, hats off to you. Well, um, <laughs> I, I, I tell you what, though, like, so I was, it was 98, wasn't it? So yeah. I, I would have been four, not to make you, you know, <laughs> make you feel any old. <laughs> um, but... Even watching the documentary, well, actually, there's been a couple of times we went to see a film called Blue Jean that was set. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I've not, you know, I haven't watched it, and I really wanted to, but I, I'm kind of, um, it, it, I kind of needed a break <laughs> after. Yeah. yeah, I've done two, you know, Nielsen, doing Nielsen, which was incredibly intense, and I'm really proud of that series. But it's a really, it's a total misery fest. But it's it's worth a watch, I think, because it's it sort of tells you how it was, and and George also, um, you know. Uh, I, I kind of needed a break from that. I was a bit like, I kind of, I, yeah, I've, I've had yeah. to sort of stop for a moment. Yeah, I, I get that. And even from kind of watching both Blue Jean and then this documentary, both of them made me have these feelings of shame that I would have kind of, well, I think it always stays with you, but yeah, it's just it how to manage it. But it made me feel like I was, 18 again and going through that kind of internal shame and mm. navigating those feelings so it, it definitely you know I think no matter what age you are watching this documentary you know I hope I mean at the end of the documentary touches on about how things potentially haven't got all that much better and there's still yeah, all that kind yeah. of, um, you know bigoted views out there um, but I hope kind of you know if an 18 year old queer person was watching it they just kind of think look how far we've come hopefully and just kind of remember that history of all the people what people have done before you as well mm -hmm. um i don't know if you want to start asking yeah, some I mean, of even your questions connecting it to like history i think today you know even last year we had kind of um celebrities being outed by the media like yeah. rebel wilson in australia um Kit Connor from Heartstopper, he was like driven off off Twitter because of it. Um, mm -hmm. And like, I just, there seems to be like a conversation going on in, I don't know, I guess the heteronormative world that like, if you look a little bit queer or you act a certain way, then everybody has a right to know about it. And I kind of wonder, was this sort of made in response to that kind of mood um, that's out there in the world? Um, you know, that's a really interesting question because I, I, uh, I 
think Charlie, the editor um, I worked with, Charlie's gay, and we it was a con- it was a conversation we we often had. We what we didn't want to do is make a history film and say, here you go, here is a story that is the, the, the of our horrible history. And we were really cognizant that we cannot make a film that it just makes you think this is this is a bygone era because it's not. And we, you know, with 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 um, you know, um, the sort of so-called I hate you know the so-called debate around trans lives, which I don't think is a, yeah. I, I I I I you know trans lives are not up for debate. Um, and and right. you know and, and you know and I've always hated actually um, the 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 fact that. You know, and queer people do it as well about who is gay and the outing of people because we're all guilty. You know, people are guilty of it. We yeah. buy into this sort of idea of, of you know, that it's, you know, we want to know this detail. And I think it's a real problem. And so we were sort of cognizant of all of that and talking about that a lot, Charlie and I, and about the, the, about the feelings of shame and about the sort of attitudes that you still see in the media today and, that, and but also on social media um, uh, uh, about sort of, the language still used around queer people and, uh, and and that's why the film ends the way it does because we were like we cannot end this on a you know a happy note this is history this is this yeah. is still happening this is as relevant today what george went through um in 1998 and what he went through up until his death um is still relevant and he you know we have that great clip from him that we found in um from itn archive you know about how we will look back in 20 years in horror well yeah, we do look back in horror, but I think it's horrible what's happening today, and that was that was kind of in our mind constantly that this is not this can't just be a history lesson. You have to realise that things are bad. Does that I don't know if that answer your question. I hope it does. So yeah. No, yeah, definitely. And like I, I quite often say, you know, especially all the the trans like culture war crap mm. that's going on at the minute, and I just think I hope that from whilst there's still work to do from a sexuality perspective, I hope that, you know, to repeat kind of what George said, in 20 years' time, we look back and say, God, what were we, what were we, what was all the fuss about, you mm-hmm. know, when it comes to trans rights and, and gender? I just think, and it you know, hopefully it is just telling more stories and, mm-hmm. and get, whether it's documentaries or films or TV, because... Yeah. I do, people should just be able to li- to live <laughs> yeah. how they want, really. But yeah, it's interesting you queer people doing it as well. You know, like I always see on Twitter the latest Sean Mendes picture will come out, and everyone's like, "Oh, he must be gay." And I think are they saying it because they think they stand a chance with him, or is it just kind of <laughs> general intrigue? But I think if we've grown up in that society where people are outed, it, it's going to take a lot for us to unlearn that as well isn't it so yeah i almost wonder if there's a sense of kind of um an inner need to like find your tribe and if you can see famous people that you think might be gay or want to be gay it's like i want to find some way of connecting with you so i can see my future or i can yeah. find other people that yeah. i know and yeah but then obviously we do have to check ourselves and make sure it's not yeah. Yeah. But i mean that's a really valid point i think you're right and i think you know that you know the, you know what part of the some people might you know some people i i spoke you know you know i obviously spoke with with uh, you know celebrities you know people in the public eye from the 80s and some people were very much george does no fate george you know in many ways um was you could argue he's not brave actually and richard cole said that you they used to resent 
um, George at the time, and they gave they gave him a quite a hard time because mm. you should have been on the on the front line with everybody else. But you know they look back now, and you know he looks back and says, actually, we gave him a hard time and unfairly because everybody has to come to terms with their own sexuality in their own way, and and that's fundamental. But at the same time, you do need people on the front line who are brave and can be there and can say, look, it's okay to be queer and it's okay to represent it's okay to be who you are so it's it's that weird um push and pull and, and tug of war really about what you know you've got to do what's right for you haven't you and you know yeah and, and yeah. you've got and, and but you've got to be grateful for those people that could be on the front line of, of, yeah. of the battle for us to be ourselves i think what was unique about george is just how he obviously had the personality type where he could just own it you know a lot of you know, some of those interviews I thought was quite upsetting, like that conservative MP who was outed and was getting quite um, emotional about his experience. Yeah. Uh, and I just thought, I think the power of George was just, we were lucky that he could own it and, you know, come out with that music video and be like, yeah, you caught me cruising, but who cares? You know, yeah. like in that sense. And I just think that really pushed the the way people were, were talking about it. And yeah. I think people will always look back from a historic perspective and see now with a modern lens that he was so brave for doing mm. what he what he did. But I almost think I imagine him saying, well, why am I brave? I'm just who <laughs> just I am. Me. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I, don't, I don't, you know, never had the, obviously never, never met him and don't know him. And, and, and but I, I don't think it was easy. And I think, but I think also, you know, we met Kenny Goss, who was his partner at the time, and um, mm. Kenny, Kenny did. It's quite funny. Kenny did say, "I mean, if it didn't happen, I don't know when George would have ever come out." But, but also, you know, it's the, it's the weight lifting from someone's shoulders of, you know, the relief of of saying it, of it happening. You know, he, you know, yeah. it's there is a relief to it, but also a difficulty that it, it, he sort of forced into that position but afterwards handles it so brilliantly. And that's the unique thing. He, it's the way he handles it is amazing, which is not the way other people handled it in the past. And, you, you know, you, you mentioned Harvey Proctor, the, the Conservative MP, who whose decision was to not talk to the media and go into hide, he almost hide himself, mm. because that's what he felt was the right thing to do. And that possibly didn't, sadly didn't help him, you know, you know sort of destroyed yeah. him in a way. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose it's that like fight or flight response, really, isn't it? it? Yeah. Go into. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Oh, it just touched on so many things. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What kind of what's your assessment of sort of how things are tracking like nowadays? Obviously, this story being from the '90s, and we've talked about how kind of relevant it still still sits. even as far as like people being concerned with like George's fan base being teenage girls as if they should never be exposed to queer culture because (laughs) I don't know, because they're teenage girls or whatever. And then you look at like in America legislation sweeping across the nation, stopping teachers talk about queer things. And it just, um, it just strikes me as, um, almost like an endless battle, I guess. I don't know. I think it, well, I think it is though, isn't it? I think you, it's, it's, you know, you, you're, you know, we, you can't, I suppose what the point is, you can't take anything for granted. Mm. You know, minorities are always going to come under attack. 
Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. they're easy people to target. So, you know, you've got to, you, you can't ever take rights for granted because they can be easily taken away. Yeah. 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 yeah I always, I always remember being about 18 and I remember growing up and seeing, I think I, I think looking back, I did struggle with quite a lot of internalized homophobia at the time. And I remember seeing a, a pride kind of event. I used to think, you know, why, why do we need that? We've got, we've got, equal marriage or we've got whatever rights that we've got now but I think now, I, now I'm obviously older and kind of seeing the world a bit more I think you're right in that minorities are always targeted and I always think and my dad actually always says this he always says when the when the going gets tough in the world um that's when people look for a scapegoat and yeah. I always think it's important to see that you know, just because we're where we're at now doesn't mean that it can't go backwards. You know, we're facing massive challenges in, in, in the next 50, 60 years. And if times get tough, you never know if people might start looking for mm. those people to blame in yeah. a way. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah no, don't it's happening. I mean, you can, if you, you know, it's happening. Look at the, you know, so-called migrants on boats or refugees. So that's what, you know, yeah. you know, if you, you look at drag, you know, um, look at drag drag uh, drag queens um and sort of you know a backlash against sort of drag story time and you know you look at you know um uh, gay hate crime lgbtq hate crime is on the up you look at the trans you know um trans lives that are under a constant attack you know yeah. it's you know that that's already happening it's never yeah. gone away it just it's you know, no. it's, the, the, yeah. it's it's you know yeah, I suppose the kind of attacks are always kind of seem to be perpetuated and made more of than they really should be, particularly by how they're talked about in the media. And I think what struck me kind of watching the documentary as well is sort of how the paparazzi that you managed to interview and the people who kind of were there at the time and things, the way they were talking about it, I don't know if they could hear themselves, but it sounded really insensitive, and I wondered if that struck you the same way it struck me. Uh, essentially, you know, I um, um, I am eternally grateful that they were willing to take part. Yeah, because yeah. actually, you, you couldn't have made this series without them, and you couldn't no. have made it. You couldn't have made it without their, but their brilliant honesty and. You know, um, Neil, say Neil Wallace, who was the former deputy exec, uh, editor of um, News of the World, and um, I think the editor of the People at one point as well, and, and also the Sun. The Sun. I think you know he didn't buy my angle on it. You know, I, you know, there's no doubt he didn't buy my angle on it. He was his, and, and I think it's obvious from the the documentary is like you know it's it's about scandal, it's about lies, and that's you know they're exposing lies, and that's what it's about. Mm. Um, and it's just really it was actually really fascinating to talk to um him and the and the pap, the guys and the photographers because um they were letting us in on their world and you've always got to be grateful for that because you you need to sort of understand how it was to understand mm. where we are and you need to understand how it was to understand why the climate was like it was and i yeah. you know so i um i um i'm quite protective over them because i am grateful for their honesty and grateful for telling it as it is or as it was um because you know i want you to feel uncomfortable as a viewer because yeah. you know as they rightly said as neil rightly points out 
this, the, at the height of the at the height of the the sun and the news of the world popularity, they're hitting fifty million people are reading these papers. They, yeah. you know, they shaped the debate of the debate day, or you know, and it's an interest, you know. So we, as an audience, are responsible, you know, ultimately. Yeah, that's what I was trying to wrap my head around because I, you know, the, the, those interviews they owned it basically. They said yeah. that was our. That was our remit at the time. Yeah. Wouldn't necessarily do it now. Maybe some of them would. I don't know. But it was just like, were they just giving the news that society wanted? You know, they like the gossip piece at that time because it was a very different time there. Or were they wanting to, or were they framing it? And I think it was quite hard to distinguish who was the one kind of pushing it more. The papers or just society in general wanting to know this news it was quite interesting to try and put yourself back in that time Um, because I still don't really you know when they say oh well the the public should know this it's you know within the public interest it's like who defines that Mm. who decides what's public interest yeah so I mean I, I still you know I remember people being outed. I remember Joe McKeldry when he was on X Factor. I remember the seeing the splashes on all the red tops about him coming out and how it was such a big thing when Tom Daly came out. Yeah. And it, although, yeah, you don't. I don't think you seem to see it as much for sexuality anymore. Oh, I don't know. I think you do. And I tell you, you see it a lot in you know when people say, "Oh, does it matter?" But you see it a lot in kind of queer publications. So like Attitude yeah. or Air Times will put out something that they won't out somebody, but they'll say, oh, this person's just come out. And it's like, who's going to go first where we stop even mentioning it as if it's a, a thing? Um, it's, it's sex, though, isn't it? Everyone loves, everyone loves sex, you know. You know, yeah. Yeah. People, you know it's, it's people are obsessed yeah. with sexuality. And, and also people, you know, it's like, it's like you know, um, you know, teenage, you know, um, um, uh, you know, everyone everyone wanted to be Mrs. George Michael. Yeah, you know, my so mum did. Yeah, well, exactly. You know what I mean? And, you know, and, and um, um, you know, um, everyone, you know, people, you know, screaming girls wanted to be Mrs. George Michael, or you know, or screaming boys wanted to be Mr. George Michael. Um, you know, um, but you know, um, but you know, you know, so sex and sexuality is always is always a money seller because people are fascinated because you know. It's the way it is. I don't, you know, I don't really ever see that changing. No. Yeah, I think what gets me is just the sort of the language people use. Like when someone comes out, some publications will say like such and such admits they're gay. Yeah. yeah. And I, that feels so accusatory. Like. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's about, announce... it goes back to shame, that doesn't it? And I think that's. I don't know. If, I don't know if that still. Hap- I I couldn't tell you if that still happens. No idea. I, I don't read those. Um, uh, don't read that sort of media, I guess. Um, but I, <laughs> I'm trying to be careful. Um, but, uh, you know, um, but you know, uh, but you know, it definitely was always done in a language. It was always written about in 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 terms of shame. Admitting is, you know, to admit something suggests you've done something wrong. Yeah, you know, it, yeah. To you know, it's like it's like you've been stealing from the corner shop. You know, it's you're admitting you admit crime. You you know, yeah. you shouldn't be. You don't need to admit your sexuality. It's you know no. that's the no. it's about the use it's about the use of, you know it's it's actually really the, the documentary is about the use of language in many ways. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
So we've touched on shame and we've obviously touched on, on the times that this was kind of, you know, following on and mm. kind of during the, the, the AIDS pandemic. Um, you know, how did, so we both had a conversation after about when we were first kind of sexually active. And I always remember at university thinking if I had unprotected sex, that would die of AIDS or, oh, yeah. you know, well, I that, remember thinking I would get AIDS just for being gay. I'd, yeah. Like oh, even yeah. before I started having sex, I was scared that I had AIDS. Yeah. 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 And it's just, yeah. Yeah. But it's really in like, I want to kind of pick your brains on, you know, we've all got that experience of, of, of having those kind of feelings, but to be interviewing people around the AIDS pandemic and, and what happened, like, was that quite, you know, I know I almost think the word triggering is, is overused, but did, did it, what kind of feelings did, did you feel, you know, those personal feelings whilst interviewing people? Um, um, that's, yeah, that's, I think it's always difficult. And I think I, um, with my, can I talk the, the Nilsson series, which I know this is not, about, yeah. but we, we covered, yeah. we covered a lot of sec- about section 28 and, uh, and, mm-hmm. and, and, on, on, and, and AIDS as well. And the reaction and the press behavior and I'd say with George, but we did it in slightly different ways. And I, mm-hmm. I find it, um, and I spent it was, it was I spent a lot of my time personally looking at the news clippings and finding the clippings. Um, and actually, I warned my assistant producer, who for George went and did some of that work as well for because I'd done a lot of it on Nelson. Then, but we needed other, I wanted other headlines and slightly later stories as well because it's a slightly mm-hmm. different time frame. And I remember warning my assistant producer that actually you must be careful because this is, you know, it is it's a difficult subject matter to be looking at it's you, you to spend your day doing it is not very good it's not very healthy um and you you know you should you need to we should talk about that and we should be sort of ha- having those conversations about what we're looking at because what you're talking about really is about the the, the you know the, how we're very right to exist ultimately. Mm-hmm. and that's the that's the thing that is most difficult i, I you know that's that's the thing that I found difficult to look at is that, you know, that and, and dealing with this material day in, day out and trying to work out um, how to use it in the documentary, in both documentaries, how you use that to the greatest effect and the greatest impact, but also to, to sort of hopefully impart the, the feeling I had um, was um to the viewer is you know it's about our right to exist and you know yeah. and it's a, yeah. you know the, the the language i it's, it's trauma is not the right word because i don't you know we're well protected within, within our jobs um but you know you're seeing the trauma it had on other people and that's yeah. really fascinating and i was really again I, i'm always really grateful for anybody to talk to me on camera and to take part because they are often bearing parts of their soul and i think you know, so you know, you I, you know, with with um with George, it was you know talking to Fat Tony about it, um, um talking to um um you know Richard Coles and and to um 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 Holly Johnson, I, you know I'm you know and, and Graham McCarrow in the Nilsson series, you know I was very grateful that they were sort of yeah. 
taking us through their histories because yeah. you know you can't do it any other way and so i don't think i think i'm just rambling on sorry <laughs> but you know but oh, I, no, I, no. I, it's, it's not um you know so it's it's they they're it's really difficult to deal with and you're you you know I'm very open and I talk to my colleagues about it constantly about how I'm feeling and you know whether it's my editor or if it's my cameraman or whether it's the, the um, Caroline series producer I was working with we would talk about it constantly and about our feeling how we're feeling and about being open about that and discussing it and about what we're trying to impart because I think that's a really important process um, because mm-hmm. it is difficult and you do feel I felt after two years two and a half years of doing Nilsson then George pretty wiped out and i was a bit like i have done my gay time <laughs> I just, <laughs> i'm done with this shit honestly um and, and, but, you know I, I, i'm sort of feeling quite broken and tired by the end of it and going god this is you know i'm really pleased with both of them but that you know i feel like it's wrong it out of me and i kind of um, you know I, I, the idea of sitting down to what at the moment I'm a bit like I, I'm not a good advocate for gay films because the idea of sitting down and watching some of that <laughs> oh god no I've done that I can't do that at the moment yeah no but yeah but now I'm already thinking about and my partner was saying the other day because I've already I've been mulling over an idea that is in my it's sort of in my head but I, I, I'd love to make a documentary about um trans lives I think it's really I, you know and I've got a take on it that I want to do and I've been mulling it over in my head and my partner's like oh mm-hmm. please no what are you doing please no do that again like yeah but i think it's important we should do so yeah so um yeah i don't know if i've answered your question but um um that that, that's my response to it anyway yeah very much so um getting towards the end of our questions now but we've you know been quite heavy topics the last couple of questions but let's kind of lighten the mood a little bit Mm -hmm. um and we can't you know we love an ally a good ally on on this podcast you know probably i don't think quite all of our listeners are lgbtq but just kind of what role you know from what you've been through what what role do you think allies can play in this kind of stuff that we can't necessarily play ourselves but i think can't anyone be an ally Mm-hmm. You can't, yeah. You know, that, that's all I say. It's like everyone can be an, you know, anyone can be an ally, really, because it's just about being aware and open, and and you know, mm-hmm. and you know, open to sort of, um, you know, sex positivity, and um, you know, and and sort of be, you know, being. I think just you know, it's about being kind, isn't it? That's all being an ally actually is, is being kind and open. Yeah. And and yeah. I'm, I think that everyone should be able to do that. It's not that hard. Um. No, <laughs> really, no. it really isn't. I know, actually, you no, might no, you no. might not get it, and you might not get it, and you might not understand it, and you might be concerned about you know, you know, with you know, women's spaces for tra- in, in trans lives. But then you know, it's I think it's about being kind and, and understanding that other person. You know, yeah. you know, and, you know, I I don't know how to express it yeah. well, but I think you know, you know. I've, I was talking to a friend about this recently and I was like, actually, you know, a, a trans person's lived experience is not the same as a woman's or a man's lived experience. It's different and often worse. I think that's that's where you have to come at it from. Yeah. yeah. Just yeah. be kind and nice. Understand I think it's them. about, it, isn't it? It's like, you, you just have to say, look, I do not have your lived experience, yeah. but I'm there, I'm listening, I'm trying my best to understand. But yeah, I also do that be a bit kind to yourself because you can't live their life so you can't know exactly what it's like but um yeah that's a good point um to say just 
be kind. Um, so you mentioned kind of your idea of a trans documentary. Have you got any other ideas? No, no, I, I'm I'm quite lazy. Um, <laughs> I, no, I don't. And um, I sort of I have other ideas that come about, but I'm I'm sort of I'm not. Uh, um, I'm always a bit bone idle, and which is really bad. And um, and I like um, my career has um, come about because people come to me and say, "Would you want to make a film about this or a documentary about this?" And I go, "Oh yeah, okay, or no." And then I'll t- and I'll turn that idea into a, I'll I'll make it blossom, hopefully. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's sort of where I sit usually in in, in how I do my job. Um, but I yeah, I, there's a. I, I've always dreamed about uh, this. I've got, I've got another. I have got another date gay idea, but it, it's pre-AIDS. <laughs> but the thing is, it's really all about AIDS, but pre-AIDS. Um, and, yeah. and, and but um, I, I'm. I don't know yet. I'm kind of. I'm slightly. Um, I'm. I'm. I'm slightly sort of. Um, sort of trying to not put my t- toes in the water for another gay documentary yeah i also want to do other stuff i want to do other but actually I, i'm also aware that like i said earlier that it's good to, you know if you've got a voice you can use it to sort of good effect yeah. and i'm you know i don't have much of a voice but i'm lucky enough to okay you know get an hour's time on a broadcaster that's quite a good voice i guess <laughs> yeah, of course yeah um so have you got any more questions for you? No. Um, so just a little bit of an outro then. Where can people find you? Are you interested in more Twitter, Instagram followers or anything oh, like yeah, that? I'm on, yeah, I'm on, I'm on, I'm on Twitter. I don't, I, I like stuff usually and I usually tweet stuff if I've got something I've made that's going on TV. But yeah, I'm on Twitter. Yeah. Um, and Instagram, I don't, I'm not very good with social media. I'm on Instagram, but I don't use it. And um, I'm on Twitter and I use that bit as well. Um, but yeah, I'm there. And then my documentaries, you can see, like George is on all George, the the first the important things is watch the documentaries. So all George, George Michael out is, is um on all four now and available for the year. Yeah. But also alongside are three short documentaries about people who were also outed in the eighties and nineties, and I think they're really special and beautiful documentaries. So yeah, they're, they're I'll, fabulous. Because I thought the out the the outed part is obviously kind of. A, a group of d- different documentaries yeah. they've done is so um yeah great stuff well thank you so much um it's been a great you know great to interview great to kind of pick oh, your that's brains really on kind. i hope it was i hope it's you know yeah, it's good so yeah thank you for your honesty as well yeah it's yeah right. it's good right thank you very much thank you well we hope you enjoyed that interview um i hope we um lived up to it from the height that we were saying at the beginning of the episode with how much we loved the interview but we just <laughs> i'd forgotten about that hype already and it's only we've only literally just recorded that bit ago. um but yeah i really appreciate mike joining us to discuss it and we kind of really you know just want to kind of congratulate him again on the documentary but also i mean some of the ideas he was saying that he's got for future documentaries or future stories and how he, he's found it quite heavy to go from all these different... From the Nelson Files yeah, to, to George Michael. But if, he's, if, he's, if his mental health and his kind of resilience can cope with that, it'd be great to see him continue to kind of tell those stories because it's very important. And yeah. we've definitely got a champion from a you know perspective there to, to tell more. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, thanks, Mike. 
And that's all for this time. If you have enjoyed this episode of Gaze on Film, please subscribe, rate and comment on your podcast platform of choice. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Twitter. We are at Gaze on Film Pod. And do check out our letterboxed accounts. The links for those are in the show notes. In the show notes. Show notes. <coughs> you like Australian? No. I've got a little bit of a frog in my throat. We'd love to hear your thoughts, so please do feel free to drop us a message. I have been Ned. And I have been Declan. And, and this, this has, has been, been Gaze on Film. film. Thanks, Thanks for, for listening. listening. Bye. why I joined in with you there. That was so disorienting. Bye, everyone. Bye. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.